Here we go. Final seconds. Clutch is his name. Talking sports is his game. End zone. Touchdown with no time left. Pushing the limits. They win on the last play of the ball game. There are no limits. Are you kidding? Who can you count on to make the last throw or shot? Wow, and the game is over. Mikey Clutch. This is the final play. Unbelievable. We are back. We are back. Welcome in to the final play with Mikey Clutch. I am your host, Mikey Clutch. Very good week in sports this past week. You may think it's dead season, but boy, there were some entertaining things out there. But first, you know, we got a good show for you today. Going to talk about the quarterback, or quarterback, I should say, on Netflix. Uh, that that I watched the first three episodes. Uh, I'll give you my opinion and my takeaway on on the show, and kind of, you know, give my two cents on what I think of it so far. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but kind of just giving you my opinion on the show, and you you can have yours. Uh, we're gonna talk some PGA. We got the Open coming up tomorrow. That they're gonna be teeing off early. It, you know, it's overseas in Europe, so it, it's. It's going to be very early. I think is the first tease, first guy's teeing off is like midnight uh, our time here in, in Chicago. But anyway, we'll get into that. Saquon Barkley about his contract and him saying he 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 might sit out the year. He will talk about some interesting things I, I saw this past week in sports. Some entertaining, enjoyable for me uh, as far as, you know, this dead, quote unquote, dead season of sports, it wasn't that dead. Let let me tell you, this past week, I I I'll fill you in on that and know where to start. Then you know I I know it's been a minute, but the home run derby last week, thought it was very entertaining. You had some young stars who really hit the ball out and far out of the park. Of course, fans want to see Otani out there, but you still had Julio Rodriguez out there going up against Vladdy. Vladdy Jr., you know, he ends up winning the thing. Um, but, yeah, Julio hitting 41 home runs in, in in the first round. It was just a great spectacle for the home fans in Seattle. It was very fun and enjoyable to watch. Uh, Areza Arena, I definitely said his name wrong, but him getting to the finals, he, he really looked like he was dominating everybody. You know, uh, Pete Alonso going up against Julio in, in the first round kind of, Kind of, you know, it was kind of sad to see those two power hitters go up against each other, and then Rodriguez posting a forty-one, and Alonso not really getting close to that number. But I, I, I don't know the way they did it. I, I think again, them adding that extra thirty seconds, I think we could do without. I, I thought the format was perfect in, in the past few years, uh, but adding that, I, I wasn't too big a fan of. But again, it, it moved pretty quickly, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just really fun. It was really fun. Now, as far as the All-Star game, I didn't really watch it much. I didn't watch it at all. I'm not really big into the MLB All-Star game. You know, it's just like the Pro Bowl, right? The NFL Pro Bowl, not really a big fan of that anymore. Um, the NBA All-Star game is starting to kind of get weaker uh, just based on their format, how they do it. But yeah, I, I thought it's just too hard to watch the MLB All-Star game. It's too many guys on the rosters. It's, you know, guys get a couple at bats, some of your favorite players you, you want to see in there, but obviously, you know, they're just there to show the fans like, hey, showing up and, uh, you know, 
oh, maybe getting a couple hits, but just a couple at-bats. And, and they're trying to save injury, right? Save from getting injured for the rest of the season. It's a long, grueling season in the MLB. But, yeah, the All-Star game, didn't really watch it. Uh, and But back to the Derby, I, I wanted to get back to the Home Run Derby. And uh, some of the, you know, these young cats that are in the league, I think baseball is in a good spot uh, as far as, you know, the future, what the future holds. Uh, but you had some old, older guys out there, and, and I'm really talking about Mookie Betts. Uh, he, he wanted, it was a bucket list, and yeah, he, he didn't really, he, he needed to speed up, I felt like. He, he was just sitting there hitting the ball lack, lackadaisical, and um, it, yeah, his was probably the least entertaining at bat for the Derby out of them all. Yeah, he was just swinging at a slow pace. I think he was just out there just to say he did it, which is okay. You know, it's fine. Uh, there was plenty of entertainment around the board. Luis Robert Jr., he went off in the first round. You know, you had, again, you had Adley Rushman, the 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 young guy out there for the Orioles. Uh, Adelis Garcia, you know, he went up against Rosarena in the first round and, and got clapped. But, uh, yeah, Pete Alonso, I... You know, it wasn't close, and he didn't really get close to Rodriguez in that first round. But I will say, his the guy he had pitching to him was terrible. I, I mean, the, the balls like were way too low and, and outside. And, and, and you know, even the broadcast was saying, hey, pitch it up and in on him so he could really crank it out of here. And it, there was just a lot of missed opportunities at his at-bat. But Vladdy Jr., you know, winning it you know, a decade more, a decade plus after his dad won it. And I remember watching Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero uh, Sr. on the Angels, and he was a fun guy to watch. No gloves. He had the, the pine tar on the helmet. Uh, yeah, he was just a fun watch. But yeah, I, I was I was hoping that the Rodriguez and Guerrero Jr. were on the opposite sides of the bracket to meet up in the finals. I thought if that was the final, that had the potential to be one of the best, you know, finals ever in the home run derby. But Hats off to Vladdy, hats off to the MLB, getting at least the home run derby right out of all these, you know, all-star games and Pro Bowls and, and um, all this in sports that have kind of gone dry and boring and not a lot of viewers, but I, I think a lot of people tuned in or at least ended up tuning in a after the start uh, to the derby. But that's just the derby. Uh, another fun watch this past week, and I, I kind of... Now that I'm getting older, right, and I still have a couple of my favorite teams out there and favorite players to watch in certain sports um, and rooting interests, right? But man, if you are not a fan of any sport, any sport, so for example, NFL, you're not a fan of NFL, you, you don't want to give it a watch, I'm going to suggest you, this is my rule, pick out who everyone thinks is the best player in that sport, you know, this year, i.e. Uh, Jokic, right? You watch him play basketball and it looks so smooth, effortless. Mahomes out there, quarterback, right? He's doing things out there nobody's ever done. He, he's throwing at weird different angles. He's doing left-handed, no-look passes. He, granted, yes, people have done the no-look pass before, but he just makes it look easy. Baseball... Otani, right? He, he's that polarizing. He, he's that guy that's going to get you to the TV. Wimbledon. Watching Novak Djokovic out there 
playing and I don't watch tennis. I don't know anything really about tennis other than, you know, you play six sets and you keep, you know, or not six sets, but you play sets and you get points and, you know, all this, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Watching Djokovic in the first few matches before the final, because I, I went out golfing during the final on uh, Sunday, so I didn't really get to really catch the whole uh, the, that whole match against Alcaraz, who, who's number one in Djokovic, you know, at 36, playing a 20-year-old uh, and getting it down to a, a fifth set, which which was really fun to watch. But going back to his first couple matches, oh my God, this guy, he makes tennis look so easy. And for a fan that only watches probably when the majors happen or when, when the big stars are on there, that kept me glued to the TV. I, I I couldn't get away from watching Djokovic. It, it's just he's that just stellar to watch and go out there and play the sport that he is so dominant in. And he ended up losing in the final against Alcaraz. And he was going for the calendar year Grand Slam, which means you win all four majors in the calendar year. Uh, he fell short, losing in the final here. But I mean, what a hell of a career! He, he's, he holds the men or ties the men. I think he's tied for the men's record in major wins. Um, I mean, he's up there with Federer and, and uh, Nadal and Agassi. You know, all those guys, right? That we all know. But what really stood out to me was that first match that I saw against Herkaj, the the uh, the the, Pol the the guy from Poland. He was serving some nasty serves, This this the Herkaj. He was acing at will, basically. And an ace is, you know, hitting it. You're serving and you score a point on the serve. They, they don't return it. They don't even touch the ball, right? So that was so fun to watch because you have Herkaj, who was really giving it to Djokovic based on the serving. Djokovic, Djokovic couldn't quite completely figure out the serve of Herkaj because it was coming in fast right on the spot. But you have to do more than just serve against Djokovic. And Djokovic was just putting the ball where he wanted to when he when he ended up, get, you know, volleying back or uh, returning. Whenever he did return the serve, it seemed like once he returned to serve, Herkaj had no chance because Djokovic is just the ball placement of this guy is phenomenal. It, it's awesome. It, it's, it's so good to see and fun to watch. It, 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 it I mean, it, it reminds you of a Mahomes pass or a, even a joke, uh, Jokic pass or, or shot. It's just, you know, Jokic's shot. It almost looks like it never hits the rim. It's almost always nothing but net, but yeah, I, I that was my takeaway from Wimbledon is just how amazing Djokovic was. Uh, in the earlier rounds, like I said, Herkaj gave him some trouble. He ended up um, winning kind of handedly against, uh, I think, Medvedev was his name. And then, obviously, in, in the final, like I said, losing to Alcaraz, who Alcaraz, number one player in the world, ranked right now. And he's young and he was fast. I mean, Alcaraz's speed, that's what stood out to me. And him also, like, how he was also able to put the ball wherever. So like that, I was kind of bummed that I didn't get to see the final because I was golfing and I 
like as I mentioned, watching the best people at their sport play, it just it it gives you an appreciation of the game. And I, I wish I was able to watch that match because that's one and two in the world ranked going up against each other, and you know that was a good match. I I, I know it was close. I know it went five sets. I, I was able to catch the last set where Alcaraz ended up beating Djokovic, but yes. Take my rule of thumb. If you are not into a sport and you're slightly interested or if the best athlete in that sport is on TV and you're accessible to watch them, do it. And I guarantee you might at least become a fan of that player at least. If not, maybe, all right, let's start looking around at other players and and, and maybe actually growing to love the sport. But yeah, any great athlete who is considered the best at their position best in, in, in their field, best, you know, anything. That draws my attention because they, again, they make it look so easy. It, it's, it's, it's something like, like golf, for example, where you, you look at Tiger in his peak. Why do you think golf was so popular with Tiger Woods? He made everything, every shot look like I should be able to hit that shot 10 times out of 10. But that's not the reality, and that's what makes it so beautiful to watch these guys because what they're doing, they are probably one of one or one of three people in the entire world that can do that. I I love it. I love it. But yeah, that, that was my takeaway from Wimbledon. I will now be watching tennis as long as Djokovic is on the TV because he's had a hell of a career, and it's still continuing. He's only 36. We know sports medicine's gotten better. Look at all these Greatest athletes of all time considered in the sport. LeBron going into, what, year 21? You got Tom Brady, who just retired, but he was in the league 20 years. You have Ronaldo, Messi. They're still playing in their sports and really still drawing the attention. Messi, I mean, he just won a World Cup uh, at his age. And, and, you know, back in the day, soccer's average age of retirement or, or guys really falling off a cliff, their skill set-wise, is like 30 years old, 29, 30, 31. And um, it's just awesome to see all these guys last longer and keep the peak of their powers as well. You know, it, it sucks Tiger has gotten in, you know, gone through some, you know, hell and, and with the injuries, that car crash recently that messed up his leg, all the addiction issues and, and, and the depression that he was going through. Uh, but he was able to do it for a long time, too. And look, at he, he won a Masters four years ago. Or five years ago. Let's not forget that. And I'm excited to see where some of these young guys who are already at the top of their game, see how long they can push it out and last. You know, you heard me mention Otani. We'll see. He's going to be a big fish in a big fish in a small pond in the free agency market. And every team's going to throw everything they can at him. That's another guy because he pitches and hits. He draws you to a TV. That's something you don't see every day. And he does both really freaking well. Some people can't even do one well, and he does both. So this is what I'm saying. If you want to watch a sport, follow the best player, follow the best athlete, and you will thoroughly enjoy. It won't be a disappointing watch. It, it won't. It, 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 I, I can almost guarantee that. Now, what we isn't a guarantee, and what we actually have to watch out for, is if Saquon Barkley is going to be playing this year for the Giants. Here's what he had to say about his contract. 
I could say fuck you to the Giants. I could say fuck you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up. I won't play it down. And that's a that's a that's a that's a play I can use. Do I anybody knows me knows that's not something I want to do. So will he play this year? I think he will. I think the, the team and him will come to some sort of agreement. This usually always kind of tends to happen that way. But I, I, I'm not 100% confident in it. Uh, and, and here's why. The, the running back position, as we've seen the last, I'd say, decade, possibly, um, it's just a diminishing position where you can draft a guy late and he can be productive. And you don't want to have to pay a running back high-end dollar when you have a quarterback to worry about. You have a left tackle to worry about. You you have your defensive side of the ball that you want to keep. you got to have your pass rusher, right? You want to keep that money allocated for the positions that are really going to help you win a championship. And we really haven't seen that top running back in the league even get to the Super Bowl and, and let alone win one. And even as big of a focal point Barkley is in that offense because we we know or I know Daniel Jones isn't you know a top 15 guy arm wise arm talent wise in the league so you got to give him as much help as possible he did have his best year last year uh, Daniel Jones and that part of that is Brian Dable being the genius he is but that's also Saquon being a threat and Daniel Jones being a threat with his legs. You got to watch out for both of these guys. And Saquon, yes, has dealt with some injuries the past few years. He was healthy last year. He he played phenomenally. He, he looked really good in the playoff. Well, not the playoff game, but uh, in the regular season, he, I would say it was a huge reason why they made it to the playoffs. Now, the unfortunate thing for Saquon, he's 26 now, and he's he's wanting some money. He's wanting some really good money, and I just don't know if the Giants, if they plan on getting rid of Jones after this season, then I honestly don't think you should sign Barkley. I think if you're going to sign Jones long-term, then you have to sign Saquon because these two go hand-in-hand, hand and Saquon just enhances the play of Daniel Jones. Uh, but if you're willing to move on from Daniel Jones, get a quarterback on the cheap, whether it's through the draft or free agency, somebody comes available, then maybe you could even trade Saquon, but you also want to keep that contract, you know, decent to where it is tradable. It is a tradable contract, but in Barkley's case, if he sits out, will it hurt his case? You know, Le'Veon Bell is a perfect example for the Steelers. He, he wanted that big contract, wanted to be paid. He said he wanted to go elsewhere, and he kind of just flatlined a after the Steelers and couldn't really hold a job in the league and be as productive as he was all those years. And a lot of that, I thought, was, you know, you had Big Ben in his prime. You had a a Antonio Brown in his prime. You had, you know, a great team around those guys. Uh, and obviously Tomlin doing the magic that he does as a head coach. But I, I don't know if Barkley should be the highest paid running back you know this past year yes it, it was Derrick Henry Chubb was on that list uh but those guys are their team's offense they they are fully their team's offense and those guys kind of deserve that money uh especially Derrick Henry nobody uses running back like the Titans and 
even last year with Derrick Henry, you know, he goes out, what was it, week 10? And, or I think it was week 10, but he led the league in rushing yards for like the next three weeks before somebody finally took him over. He had 10 touchdowns, I believe, at that point. And like, that's a guy that earns top dollar, especially with the quarterback play of Tannehill and Patch, or, you know, Willis. Last year, Malik Willis last year, just not, he looked deer in headlights, deer in headlights. And so you need a guy like Henry who's going to bridge that quarterback gap. And a guy like Nick Chubb who's running behind Deshaun Watson who's still trying to get his footing and, and get reacclimated to playing NFL football at full speed. Uh, so these are guys, yes, you need to pay top dollar. But after the season, you know, Barkley's going to be a free agent. Derek Henry's going to be a free agent. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Chubb will also, no, he, he won't be, but so going into 2024, right? This is kind of what Saquon's probably looking at engaging on who he wants to be paid more than Alvin Kamara is going to be the number one cap hit to his team in the saints. And they're paying him or he's at 18.9 million cap hit next year. And they restructured his deal, uh, last year. So that way they had a little more room this year. Uh, but yeah, 18.9 mil cap hit at number two is Aaron Jones, which listen, he's probably going to deserve that money. Aaron Rodgers is now gone. Jordan Love coming in. You got to have that safety net back there. And Aaron Jones, we know, is a phenomenal receiving running back and a good running back. And then they also have A.J. Dillon, who, who's that power runner. But at least Aaron Jones gives you that dynamic uh, option and kind of help ease Jordan Love into that offense. Number three, Nick Chubb, uh, or sorry, Aaron Jones is going to be 17.7 mil. N number three, Nick Chubb, 16.2 mil. I already laid out my case for him. Number four is Christian McCaffrey at 14.1. So it's dropping off a couple million. Now, McCaffrey at 14.1 million to me is even a steal at his position and what he does for that Niners offense, the way he lines up. I, I think he's kind of underpaid, um, but I'm glad that the Niners kind of got a bargain uh, getting McCaffrey uh, from the Panthers. And then the biggest drop-off. Number five, Joe Mixon is a 8.5 million cap hit. So you go from one to five, it's a $10.4 million difference. That just goes to show the the scale of, of the, pay, the pay scale of, of the running back position and, and the value of the running back position. Because these guys... Yes, they take more most of the hits other than the quarterback and obviously the linemen, but they take the hardest hits probably, uh, more harder hits than the quarterback uh, because, you know, when they are running the ball, they're getting tackled every single play unless, you know, they break one for a touchdown. But, um, yeah, Kamara signed his contract at 25. You know, his play has declined the last two seasons, and a lot of that is that weird and not-so-stable quarterback position in New Orleans. So I can't put it fully on him, but it, they dropped off significantly uh, from what he was a few years ago. Uh, and I just, you know, Saquon's 26, couple injuries. Daniel Jones looked better last year. Again, does that coincide with Barkley? We just don't know. And it's unfortunate because I do think Saquon deserves to be paid. But it's it's that's the way of the business. It sucks. These guys just don't get treated fairly, especially at 26. Uh, signing a long-term deal it just doesn't happen. Where a running back, you know, unless you're Adrian Peterson, 
playing into your 30s, it just doesn't happen that often. And uh, if Saquon does actually follow through with not playing this year, right? If the Giants are unsuccessful without him, I think you already kind of screwed the pooch on it and he's not going to sign next year as a free agent, even if you offer him, you know, the Brinks truck. But if, again, it's like it's like a, a lose-lose situation, lose for the Giants or lose for Saquon, because if the Giants do go out there and play well with who they have in that backfield and Daniel Jones still looked as good as he did, if not looks better than last year, then... I mean, all of that leverage is in the Giants' hands now. And, you know, that's just somewhere you don't want to be as a running back where the franchise has the leverage over you. I would say, like I, or let me double touch on it, as I said earlier, if you're going to let Daniel Jones walk, then maybe let Barkley walk as well. Get younger, get more value at that position at a cheaper rate so that way you can go out and get a top-notch quarterback. Um, but yeah, if you're going to keep Daniel Jones there, I think you got to keep Saquon there. You know, uh, uh, it just it just has to happen. Unless, like I do say, if you are willing to get rid of Daniel Jones, you end up drafting a quarterback, which if the Giants are as successful as they, are, they were last year, they're not going to have a great pick to get a top quarterback. You know, C- Caleb, Williams is the guy and I think without a doubt he's going number one he needs to go number one whoever gets him is going to be set up for the future I am in love with that dude uh, as a quarterback there at USC but if they go young then I guess you you can give Barkley that contract at least up until that rookie contract is up for the quarterback that you take but I just don't know if there's going to be enough value at quarterback in the first round or second round uh, for you to be able to move off from Daniel Jones who you kind of have a proven commodity there but not really uh, as long as he could stay consistent and, and grow from last year with Dable in that offense but that, that that's my take on the Saquon situation uh, do I think he deserves to be paid yes do I think he's going to get paid what he wants no Moving on. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm always excited when it's major season in golf. But it's unfortunate that this is the last one of the year. But I will be watching at least Saturday, Sunday I will be. Because there's no way I'm staying up from midnight and going to work Thursday, Friday. And, you know, having to go through a whole day and not getting home till late. I just, I can't do it. But... Saturday and Sunday, gonna be up at maybe at the 3 a.m. or four, you know, 3:30 to watch those tea times when when you have the leaders teeing off uh, at the later tea times. But what I'm gonna do for you, it's been a while, and we haven't done it, but I have some picks. We don't do anything illegal. Debt free, pick three. Look what I found in my pocket. Look, a year's salary right here. What I call them. A fun coupon. This is the Debt Free Pick 3 on the final play with Mikey Clutch. <laughs> the Debt Free Pick 3. I'm going to give you my favorite, my three favorite bets. And it's going to be finishing positions for, for some guys. Um, we'll get into that. I kind of want to break down, you know, Scotty Scheffler, he's the favorite. Of course, let me, again, watch, if you're not into golf, he is probably 
if not the best, one of the top three best golfers on the tour right now. And and that doesn't include the live guys. I'm talking just the PGA Tour. And obviously the live guys are going to be in this tournament as well, which even makes it more impressive. Scheffler has played 19 tournaments this year. Has not missed one cut. He's 19 for 19 in cuts this year. He hasn't finished outside of the top 12 in any tournament since October of last year. He has two wins this year. The the WM uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which he defended his title because he won that last year as well. And the Players Championship, which a lot of the players consider that kind of like major atmosphere. And he won that one and, and beat the field of, of all the top guys in the world. Now his major finishes this year. First was the Masters. All right, he tied 10th. He was runner-up at the PGA Championship. And then he finished third at the U.S. Open. So you know Scheffler is going to be in the discussion on Sunday to make a run, to finish on top, to win it. Um, but just watch him golf. It is He's easily the best ball striker on tour. Where he struggles his putts, believe it or not, within six feet. He's one of the worst guys putting in, in that distance on tour. But if he has his putter right, and he's hitting those, I think it's a runaway for him to win his second major. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see how Shuffler does. I'm obviously going to root for him. He's one of my favorite golfers. Um, I, he just he gets me to the TV. Now, what his, who his competition is going to be? Kepka, obviously, who, who's always there in major uh, contention. He won the PGA Championship, beat, beat out Scotty. You have Rory coming off a of victory last weekend. Uh at the Genesis Open, uh, Scottish Open, and he finally got a, a, another tour victory. You have Ricky Fowler, who, who's been hot this year. Shoffley a little inconsistent, as much as I love him, inconsistent. You got John Rahm, who won the Masters, and he's definitely going to be at the top of the list. So those are the favorites, right? Those are the guys that everybody's kind of expecting to show up and, and, and do some damage and walk away with a major title. We don't, you don't want to hear about the favorites. You want the dark horses or the guys that have chances, right? Now, I'm going to give you finishing positions, but these guys I also do think have a chance at finishing a little higher than I have them or actually winning the thing. And my first favorite pick is Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, I like him to finish inside the top 10. It's plus 210. Yeah, and so you, you bet 10 bucks, you win 21. But yeah, Fleetwood, he, he, he's he's another guy. He's very consistent. He He's at the top uh, of a lot of the leaderboards uh, in in a lot of these tournaments. And he, he's, you know, he's from England. And I think that he, he's going to have a good showing out there, a good showing and, and compete to, to kind of take on these top guys. He, he's not a big name guy, but he is a guy who's kind of always been mentioned. Um, but yeah, this season, he no wins, right? He, but he, he has one runner-up, six top 10 finishes, only three missed cuts out of 17 events played, uh, and, and uh, nine top 25 finishes. His last tournament at the Genesis Scottish Open he finished tied for six and I like these guys who finished near the top 20 
in in the prior event leading up to you know a major they have a good chance at, at, at playing well at, at, at that course as well but yeah uh, tommy fleetwood top five finish plus 210 another guy i'm looking at it, and i just blew my mind I just forgot my favorite player to mention it, the, the favorites, my my guy, Cam Smith, because he's in live, I always forget, um, but he's defending his title. He won last year um, at St. Andrews, you know, that historic course, Tiger's probably last time walking it. But anyway, my little, uh, little monologue's over. But second guy I'm looking for to kind of give some of these guys a challenge and a, a, a run for the money, another top 10 guy. And that's Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's won the U.S. Open. Another Englishman. Uh, I think he's got a really good shot at even winning it, to be honest. I I think he is that good. But I'm going to go top 10 for Matthew Fitzpatrick at plus 380. He's another guy. He's tracked every single shot since he was a kid. Uh, since his first shot, like he's checked every single shot he's ever made. He's always, you know, looking to get better. He's very analytical, a very analytical guy. But um, he he's got a nice approach, and he he's looked, you know, good all year. There's a couple of stumbles here and there, but he's another guy, top ten finish. And let's go with Pat Podrig Harrington. But for him, I'm gonna say top twenty. Okay. Uh, I, I think he might end up top 15, but Vandal does not have a top 15 finish. So I'm going to put Podrick at top 20, okay? Um, the top 20 for Podrick Harrington. Uh, I'm looking this up. Sorry, now I should have been a little bit more prepared. Uh, Podrick Harrington. He is plus 420 to finish top 20, okay? Um, he's another guy. Been very consistent, kind of... Flirting with the leaderboard week in and week out. And if you want to get a little saucy, bet those individually. Bet those individually, right? But if you want to make things interesting and you parlay these three. Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, top 10. Because this is what I love about FanDuel. They let you, um, they let you parlay finishing positions for golf. Some of the other books don't do it. I don't know why. I think this is genius. But if you wanted to get a little saucy, do a three-leg parlay with these three, you're looking at plus 7,637 odds. So bet 10 bucks, you're winning 763. So those are my top, my three uh, finishing positions, though. I'm not, you don't have to parlay. You could sing, bet single, but Podrick Harrington, top 20. Tommy Fleetwood, top 10. Fitzpatrick, top 10. And I'll, I'll give you a couple bonuses. I think I, I think Scheffler will finish top five. Top five for Scheffler is a plus 135 bet. Um, and if I were to do another guy, maybe Tyrrell Hatton. Um, Tyrrell Hatton, he, he's another one that's kind of always up there as well. I, I, another Englishman. I know I'm Englishman favor. Uh, I'm favoring the Englishman uh, in the, in this tournament. Uh, but he's for top twenty. He's minus one hundred five. So you got to bet what ten fifty to win ten bucks. But I like that as lock. But he does have potential to finish top fifteen, top tw- uh, top ten. But those are my picks for the Open. Hope you like them. Hope they win. Hope whoever you're watching 
does well. But again, if you're not into golf and you thought about watching it, wait until if, if, if it's your first time watching, wait till Sunday. But make sure you watch Scheffler. I don't care where his position at is at. Watch him. Watch the Cam Smith, who is probably one of the best putters on tour. Uh, I'm sorry, in golf. I can't say on tour because he's live tour. So wrong tour. But those are my picks. And now, my synopsis on quarterback. And quarterback is that show on Netflix that follows around. You know, it's kind of like the full swing for the PGA did last year on Netflix, follow around the golf uh, the golf players. But this is following Patrick Mahomes, which right off the bat needed that. If Patrick Mahomes isn't in there and it's a guy like Derek Carr instead or who's another guy? Not Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. But if it's another mid-low level guy, you know, let's just say Lamar Jackson, it might not even be that thrilling. But you get Mahomes right off the bat, that, that brings you that brings you to the to that to the show. But then you have Mariota and you have Kirk Cousins. Now I'm gonna be giving my opinion on the first three episodes. I, I the first episode really done well. Really cool to kind of see the behind, you know, with the uh, they're mic'd up, the mic'd up on the field. You'll hear a little more chatter and a little more talking on the field than you usually do, which was awesome. I think they need to release more content like that to where we're actually hearing what these players are saying on the field. And I kind of feel bad about Mariota, right? Because they sign on to this to do this show before the season starts. He was named the court starting quarterback for the Falcons. It, it started rough. You know, he, he was a, a key a, a key factor in a couple of the early losses. Two fourth quarter losses when they had the lead um, in the first couple weeks. Kind of felt bad for him because you, you kind of know it's at its end when, when he ended up getting benched for Ritter, which I haven't gotten there in the show yet, but knowing what happened in the regular season... It's kind of tough to watch. And also, Mariota's energy, it just isn't there compared to, definitely not compared to Mahomes, but even Kirk Cousins. Like, Kirk Cousins lives, breathes, and dies football. He's sitting there studying. And granted, you know, some of it's fluff for the show where, oh, I'm going to film you really, you know, honing in on, on, on showing your work ethic. But listen, Kirk Cousins has been a very... Very good, consistent quarterback throughout the years. But what I, I'll get into what I didn't like about Cousins. But I, I did like he's a family man. Uh, he's, you know, very competitive. He's more competitive than I thought he was. I thought he was just kind of like you know this Christian dude and it you know into God kind of laid back and 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 just kind of going with the flow, not really letting anything bother him. But it, it was really nice seeing him get frustrated and see him really care about losing and wanting to win a Super Bowl. He really wants to win a Super Bowl. And, and for me, that's what you need on this show. You need guys like like a Cousins and a Mahomes who are hungry for it all. They, they want the top thing. You know, they, they want to win that Super Bowl and, and take their team to the promised land and, and be one of the few that have done it. And Mariota, I just don't get that feel from him. It, it, he just kind of seems like he's going through the motions and He's like, all right, you know, I signed up for this. My season's not going well, so I'm kind of just moping. I don't know. I just don't like his energy on camera. 
But now, going to Cousins, what I didn't like about Kurt Cousins, by episode three, they were focusing too much on him being injured during the season and kind of, well, I'm playing Hurt. And um, listen, he, he played well, Hurt. And I just didn't like, it, it seemed like they were building up to an excuse as to why the Vikings didn't go further in the playoffs last year and why some of these games were out of hand. And I, they, it just felt like too much of an issue. Um, it was just too focused on the injury. It was too too focused on it. And compared to the other two guys, I felt like it, like it just, you remember you got, he got hit in the same spot so hard, you know, two weeks in a row. I get it. Then it, it felt like he was saying, I, I need a line at, at that point. Cause he was like, ah, you know, I, I got hit and it was the same spot, same location. And it seemed like he was kind of getting on his offensive line a little bit. He laid down on the ground there, were, there. Yeah. They showed that he laid down on the ground, waited until the play was over and he said, oh, did we score? And I, I forgot it. To, I, see, I already, I, my memory is terrible, but bear with me. He ends up you know, saying, oh, I, I would have gotten up if if we, if we scored. Or if we didn't score, I would have gotten up. And he didn't know that. And I was like, all right, well, quit milking the injury guy. And I, I know it's kind of like a Cousins hate fest after episode three. But I also didn't like Cousins saying we had a couple of interceptions and not saying I. Uh, it just... It did seem like he was not trying to take responsibility for the mistakes, for the poor play. It always kind of seemed like Cousins was following something up with an excuse. And, you know, in that game of the year against the Bills, Vikings and Bills, Cousins and Allen both make two of the worst plays of the year, back-to-back. Both fumbling on the one-yard line, one to try and not get a safety, and the other trying to score. And we know how that game ended, but O'Connell... After the Cousins fumble, this is on camera, on the show. They actually left this in, and this is why I think it kind of looked bad on Cousins. O'Connell said this. Did you call that on your own? Cousins, yeah. O'Connell looking disgruntled as hell and kind of pissed off. And he's like, I was going to call a timeout, man. The look on his face to Cousins was just like, oh, so frustrated and you can kind of see, I don't know, I, I'm a body language guy. I read too much into it maybe sometimes. But when O'Connell is talking about, hey, you want a fierce competitor like Kurt, you, you want a guy out there. But he kind of just seemed like he was like, this is my, this is my guy. I kind of got to back him now. He's under contract. And I don't know, he, he's who we got right now. And I, I got to make this work. But yeah, Cousins after, you know, after <laughs> O'Connell said he was going to call timeout, He's like, ah, I couldn't hear you. That's my fault. It looked like a half-ass. It sounded like such a half-ass apology. I just, I don't know. Kirk Cousins hasn't looked that great to me in the first three episodes. Again, I've only watched three episodes. I, I have to watch the rest. I'm probably going to do it by three episode increments. Um, so next episode, I'll break down, or yeah, next show of the final play, I'll break down episodes four through six. Um, but yeah, you know, Kirk Cousins is hurt and groaning, saying he's hurt, sits on the bench, basically whining, saying this whole mid, his whole midsection hurt. Then you see Patrick Peterson's interception. He got right up and was no longer like holding his ribs, holding his chest, nothing. 
he seemed completely fine, threw his helmet back on without grimacing, and stepped back out on the field. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? He started jogging, no issue. Stop, I, I just, it just seems fake to me. He just seems fake. Now, flip to what I freaking love, and that's Mahomes. I am kind of a fan of cocky Mahomes. I think he's kind of earned it with winning now his second MVP, his second Super Bowl, all under the age of uh, 27. Yeah, it's just what he does is so amazing. And one of my favorite parts was him going at it with Badman, who looks like a motherfucker you don't want to mess with, and Max Crosby. Those two were going at it throughout the game. And what I love about Mahomes, he steps up to the challenge. He doesn't make an excuse. He tries all he can to make sure his team comes out with the win. Dude, to me, mindset of Brady. All I want to do is win. You know, all I do is win. DJ Khaled. That's all. That's all he thinks about. That's all he wants. And it's so fun to watch Mahomes on screen. And the fact that, you know, you, you see his workouts. He's got a trainer, which, again, what I didn't like, it seemed like they are kind of, it was almost like, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Guerrero, uh, Tom Brady's trainer. The TB12 method, trying to push that to the Patriots organization. And they ended up, you know, banning him from the facility, but it kind of seemed like, you know, because Mahomes is who he is, number one of one in the world quarterback, let's get his trainer on here and uh, let's, what are the secrets to Mahomes training? I just think it's Mahomes, dude. You can't train and become a fierce competitor like that. That That's not, you don't train for that. That's just born, you're born that way. That's like in your blood. So I just, it was such, it was, it, I, I wish Honestly, it could have been all Mahomes for this whole season without any other quarterbacks, and I think everybody would enjoy it and, and would love it just as much. And you can show more of his off-field because it is cool seeing Mahomes as a father and um, interacting with his wife and, and being a family man. And, he, you know, he's very relatable just like you and I where he, his, his wife wanted to take pictures on his birthday and he thought he was done and he's ah, oh, more pictures, come on. He, he just, he doesn't like taking pictures. And I love that. It just like kind of gave that sense of, uh, uh, it gave that sense of rela- relatability, uh, especially for a guy who's considered the best quarterback in the world and the best player in the world in football. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just awesome. You know, he, he really is trying, it seems like he's trying to pass Brady as far as Super Bowls. I, I think as far as success, it, it just, I get that feeling. I get that feeling because the, the competitive and winning so young and with a Hall of Fame head coach who, I mean, Andy Reid is probably, I don't know, Bill Walsh, Andy Reid, uh, as far as offensive, you know, Sean Payton, as far as these offensive gurus who, you know, these wizards who, who just can come up with different plays and call different formations and really fool the defense. It's just, he's set up for success. As long as Andy Reid, I think, stays with him, it's it's like a Belichick and Brady. And, and Belichick was a defensive coach and Brady was still able to win. Now, imagine if Brady had an offensive guy. Granted, a lot of those early Patriots Super Bowl wins, especially the one, uh, the later one, against, uh, you know, both, against, both of the Super Bowls against the Rams, uh, it was very de- defensive. It was a very defensive game. And they really won those based on the defense and with, you know, late fourth quarter drives to set up Vinatieri for, you know, a game-winning field goal. And Mahomes just, 
look, he, he leads the league in come-from-behind wins at, at 10-plus points. Uh, his winning percentage is ridiculous. It's just, yes, it's a Mahomes love fest and a Cousins hate fest. I'm sorry. I'll get, I'll be done with it. But, yeah, that those are my takeaways. Uh, it's really cool to see the Mahomes life and just the cocky side of him. Him talking shit on the field and of course he backs it up like he's not a guy that runs from a challenge and that's what I I got from that again Cousins a little whiny and unlikable come episode three Mariota need more energy from him kind of feel bad for knowing what's going to come and him not playing well in the first you know couple games but uh, I, I think next year you know instead of Cousins and Mariota obviously people would rather see Josh Allen Aaron Rodgers of course um, I would honestly, depending on how Jordan Love does, I would say Jordan Love next year. Uh, get Trevor Lawrence, uh, Joe Burrow, guys like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm okay with being wrong uh, on the outcome or, you know, of my opinion. I mean, it's my opinion, right? That's what, what I believe. It, not right or wrong, but, you know, that's kind of my takeaway uh, on, on, on the first three episodes. Go check it out if you haven't quarterback it's on netflix uh they're about i think 45 minutes to 60 minutes long not 100 percent sure on the time but uh yeah if you love football if you love mahomes especially just watch it for that content trust me it's worth getting through the cousins and Mariota if you're not really a fan of them while watching it if you don't grow to like them just watch it for the mahomes stuff it, it, that makes it well worth it but that's it that's my breakdown on quarterback, uh, my opinion, and my thoughts on the episodes I've watched so far. Hope you win some money on that debt-free pick three for the Open. And have a good day. Enjoy the week. Until next episode, this is Mikey Clutch on The Final Play. You have just tuned into The Final Play with Mikey Clutch on ChicagolandSportsRadio.com. It's not just sports, it's a way of life.